0: This is the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate podcast.
1: I won't lie when I when I did that first one, like there's a little bit of you know nervousness that you're like, okay, what what if this goes wrong, right? What if you know the tenant doesn't pay rent? What if the place catches on fire? Well, you know you can sit there and play the what if game, or you can continue to sit on the sidelines. So that was my thought as I walked through some of those properties. Is like, all right, you have a basic understanding of you know is it going to be livable, and if so, okay. Does it make sense numbers wise? If not, don't buy it.
0: You're listening to the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss tangible tips, tricks, and best practices for becoming financially free. The show is designed for people who want to either start real estate investing or for those who want to scale their real estate business. What's going on everyone? This is Jonathan Farber, your host of the Millennial Millionaire Through Real Estate podcast. I hope you're all well and healthy. For any first-time listeners, thanks for being here. The goal of this show is to explore ways to become financially free through real estate or to increase passive cash flow through real estate. A little background on myself. I work in corporate America at a software company. My side hustle is real estate. I currently own eight rental units and looking to add more this spring. I have House Hacked, Bird, Flipped, and done short-term rentals to name a few strategies. My current focus is 20 to 30 unit apartment buildings in Ohio and Kentucky. I love to network and learn. So if you'd like to connect further, feel free to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or BiggerPockets. Today we have an awesome interview with Zach Horath. Zach lives in Indianapolis. He's 23 years old and he is a real estate investor and broker. He, at the age of 23 years old, has scaled to 35 units of ownership in just over four years. He's done flips, wholesales, burrs, and others. So we have a lot in common there. He helps people get started in real estate from any age. I've had the chance to spend some time with Zach through my brother, Brad, who first connected with him on Bigger Pockets when he was looking at out-of-state investing. And I just love his style. Like you'll hear it through the episode. He's just easy to talk to. Um, Got a great perspective on things, especially for a 23-year-old. Like You may just think he's 30 or 35 just hearing the voice, but he's, for most people, just a couple of years out of what would be college and just now doing it. So really cool to hear, really refreshing to hear his perspective on things. The two things that stood out to me from this episode were how you can build relationships with deal finders and partners in any city. This part was so powerful. Uh, He talked about a strategy of, if you find the right realtors or brokers as an out-of-state investor in certain cities, you can partner up with those people. They can bring you deals, obviously, but in a lot of cities, realtors or brokers, they would love to invest themselves. They may just not have the means. So they're seeing good deals. They're just not sure how to take them down. So he talked through a formula that he thinks about of how he picks and chooses who he invests with and who he partners with from out of state when he comes across a good deal. So really impactful for any out of state investors. The second tip or thing that stood out to me from this episode was how he plans to build a system that will run while he's living anywhere in the world or the country. Um, I love his approach. He wants to actually get out of the, the cold uh the winters and spend those in Florida, which I can totally relate to. And that's a goal of mine as well. Uh, but it's really cool to hear how he plans on building the system and setting it up behind the scenes so it can actually function to do that. I think a lot of people have it as a goal, but no tactical way of making it happen. So he walks through that very, very cool part there. Today's tangible tip is, when you are analyzing real estate deals, take a screenshot of the P&L or the T12 or the email that the broker sends you and just put it in the first tab of your Excel or Google Sheet That way you don't need to keep going back to your emails when you're underwriting or analyzing the deals. This was something that just out of sheer frustration and not being able to find attachments in email, I just started doing and someone saw it and realized, well, it's actually kind of an effective way to do it because you're out of your email and you're just looking at deals. You only stay in one page and just easy. So now I do this. Some people put it in a folder. They save the PDF for every deal. But the thing is you're analyzing so many deals and not all of them are good, and I just don't like saving all the files. So more or less, I just open a new tab, screenshot the PNL, screenshot the neighborhood stuff. What I also throw in there is a screenshot of the rentometer information, so what the rents could be or what they should be. Uh, and I also usually throw in a screenshot of the picture of the property. Sorry, forgot it for a sec there, but I'll go go on Google Sheets, or if I went to the property myself, I'll just throw it in there. So. On one quick page within Excel or Google Sheets, you can have a snapshot of what the property looks like, what the rents are or should be from Rentometer, and then the actual T12 or PL that a broker sent you. So really effective just to keep everything organized and quick when um, typically it's not that way. So helps me, hope it helps you guys. Without any further ado, awesome episode today with Zach Horth. What's up, Zach? Welcome to the show, man. How you doing?
1: What's going on, man? Hey, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Excited to have you on, especially after, uh, well, just before you hit record, talking about some of the projects you're working on now and what you're doing today. I'm sure we'll get into it. But uh, yeah. yeah, you mind just giving our listeners a little background on yourself? Um, maybe maybe just in the, the sake of time here, maybe we'll start with how'd you uh, get into this and what was your first deal and how'd you find it?
1: Sure. So um, born and raised originally in Indianapolis and um, kind of bumped around a few schools, in college before I really had understanding of what I wanted to do. And, um, that brought me back to my hometown of Indy. And that's where I started, you know, getting into a little more into real estate and did my first deal, which was a single family. Um, you know, kind of like a lot of other folks I'm sure you probably talked to that rich dad, poor dad, some of the, some of these like starter books that really get your mind, uh, kind of thinking in uh, different ways. And so, I'd moved back. I started my junior year of college and there was, this was in, I think, twenty twenty eighteen, 2018. Um, and I I had a little bit of money saved up. I remember because I was, I was valleting cars and I had an E-Trade account. I'm like, Hey, like I want to be able to uh, buy a house. And so luckily um, I had some family that had been in the rental game, nothing to the, not to the degree of like, Hey, we have this big rental portfolio, nothing like that. It was a few single families, very mom and pop esque if you will and um so I don't know I, I that's kind of how I knew about it, but anyways, ended up moving back to Indianapolis uh, started shopping for some some homes. I was in the process of getting my real estate license and uh so long story short, found a single family. believe it or not, I think I ended up buying it for like twenty eight thousand dollars um my, I had some family that, that put the, the money in to be able to buy it. And we structure it as, Hey, look, you bring the capital to do it. And I'll, I'll be kind of the grunt and, and do some of the, the legwork, if you will. And so that was a, it was a good way to cut my teeth and, and understand, okay, hey, how do you, how do you get somebody? How do you screen a tenant? How do you not screen a tenant? So learning some of the things not to do on that first one. So it's a single family, um, it was nice because I think the, I talk about this with other people is like, you have some of these landlords that go through, um, you know, this cycle of, Hey, they're super excited to buy the property. And then they have it for a couple of years and they have tenants go in and out of there. And they're like, you know what? I'm done. And so that's mm-hmm. what I think had happened with this particular landlord that I bought it from. Um, he had had it for a couple of years. He was an executive at a company here in Indianapolis and had a couple of rentals, but this was one he was just like, I-, I don't want to deal with it anymore. So it was, it was turnkey if you will. I think I I went in there and literally put a a new light bulb in and then started marketing it for rent. So I really lucked out there. People, you know, like, Oh my gosh, you can buy move in ready homes for, you know, $28,000 and uh, not anymore. No, I wish that uh, that was the case. And looking back, you know, I thought, Oh my gosh, $28,000 is a lot of money. Like, I hope this goes well. And looking back, I'm like, damn, I should have bought every damn house on the block. So. Right you know, that, that was kind of it, but yeah, single family for the, for the first Mm -hmm. one to get started Um, right there in my backyard of Indianapolis.
0: So you may have said it, but how did you find the deal?
1: So I, I, uh, I moved back to Indianapolis from Florida and I was, I had my real estate license and I was doing some leasing to college students down there. And, um, I knew that if I came back to Indianapolis, I needed to find a way to make money outside of and cars so i'm like all right well i'm already licensed in florida i might as well get my real estate license here but indiana doesn't recognize florida so i had to go back through the, like the 90 hour course and, and do you know the whole nine yards so while i was going through the course i was still trying to shop around um brokerages i wanted to eventually hold my license at so i found i think it was like a keller williams agent and we started looking at homes right so i, I I went right to a real estate agent because I didn't, I didn't know any better. Right. I didn't, I didn't even understand the concept of off market deals. I wasn't just, I wasn't even there yet. So, you know, um, that guy's taking me around houses. We're looking at these like twenty thirty $30,000, really rough places. And, and long story short, we ended up finding the place and I was still in my licensing course. Um, so I wasn't able to write the offer, but, um, found it and ended up closing it. So it was just working with a, a broker.
0: Got it. Okay. You said rough houses and I think that happens or, or a lot of people that start looking at property in the early stages, maybe they, they see in the Midwest, um, they can find some property that's valued or priced much lower than where they live today. Yeah. Um, so, and, and we'll get into that too, that you work with a lot of out-of-state investors, but what were you thinking as you were walking through some of these properties as a younger, newer investor? Some of these are rough and, and I've had yeah. the same experience. Like when I was walking through like, you're imagining I, I was like I, I could never live in a place like this you know like this is I, this is really bad I don't know what oh, yeah. of this stuff means but it's it's not for you and then I guess what gave you so if you had that same sentiment I'd love to hear about it but then what gave you the confidence or feeling or like strategy that you pulled from to feel confident enough that you could actually buy this and make it work
1: well so um part of the reason I was looking at like some of these cheaper homes is because I I, I really didn't you know I didn't know I'm like oh my gosh I don't have any money and if I lose, at least I'll lose on, you know, like a twenty, thirty dollars $30,000 home where at the time that was still a lot of money for me, but I knew, you know, I'd still be all right. Um, but walking through some of these things, I'm like, man, like people live here, right? Um, on the flip side of that, what I would say is you have people who are like, you know, oh, I can go, you know, like, especially some of these guys who are guys and gals who are from the coast they come to Indianapolis and like oh my gosh you can buy a house here for fifty thousand dollars why don't we buy all of them and and the reality of it is is that you see like some of these things that you see that there's such a low dollar figure right especially if you live in like San Diego LA you can't get a dog house out there for less than you know 400 grand and so when you come here you're thinking oh my gosh like this is so easy I can just buy one of these things for 50 grand stick somebody in here And the reality of it is you're still providing a, you know, a product for some, you know, someone wants, so it's just a place to live. And um, I figured that even though I was buying some of these places that were cheaper, if I could still provide a good product, if you will, um, I'd still be in okay shape. But like I said, I I don't, I won't lie. When I, when I did that first one, like there's a little bit of, you know, nervousness that you're like, okay, what, what if this goes wrong? Right. What if, you know the tenant doesn't pay rent what if the place catches on fire well you know you can sit there and play the what-if game or you can continue to sit on the sidelines so that was my thought as I walked through some of those properties it's like all right you have a basic understanding of you know is it gonna be livable and if so okay does it make sense numbers wise if not don't buy it right to me it's a numbers game and, and the longer I've done this if you don't as long as you don't get emotional about it I think you should be
0: Totally agree with that. Uh, that's
1: kind of a long long answer there.
0: No, totally agree with that. So let's talk a little bit about what happened next. You buy this first deal. It sounds like you were able to buy it with very typical strategy of people getting started. They can yep. put the grunt work in, the sweat equity in for, let's say, a pool of friends or family that want to invest some money. Yep. And then they can get the experience. And if it turns out great, great. If not, you learn and you can keep going. So how did that property go? I guess you put a tenant in there. And then what happened yep. next? So
1: um, it actually turned out a lot better than what I what I had originally thought. So you know, you buy a thing for twenty eight thousand dollars, and I'm thinking, okay, we can rent this for five or six hundred bucks a month, right? Um, what ended up happening was there was somebody that approached me, and this I think a lot of landlords fall victim to is the first person that comes and has cash in hand is like, hey, I got the first month, I got security, like here you go, right? And there's just no there's no screening whatsoever, no background check, no criminal check, right? Uh, or credit check, right? It's just like, yeah, sure, come on in. And that, that's exactly what happened. Um, luckily enough, I, I, I guess I dodged a bullet. Um, th- those folks ended up turning out to be pretty good tenants. Um, so what we did was we did, I think, month to month for, I want to say, three or four months for $800 a month. So this is a two-bedroom, one-bath, right? Right keep in mind $800 for 700 square, you know, 700 and some odd square foot home. I was like, there is no way that these, that people are, are willing to pay $800 a month for something we just bought for under $30,000. Like I just, I couldn't understand it. So it's like, okay, you have, you know, 1600 bucks here in the first couple of months. And then we ended up signing them, I think on a year lease at, you know, closer to market rent of about 650. And so I'm like, man, this is a pretty good return on, on money here you know, I wonder if I can go do this again. And so my thought was, all right, well, maybe I can go find somebody else that I can partner up with and I can do, you know, the legwork, the grunt work and get some equity in one of these homes and just continue to do that over and over and over again. And so that's what I did all in the same neighborhood. It was a neighborhood that was close to, um, where I'd gone to high school. It was where very close to where I was going to college. So it was a pocket, um, in a rougher area that I knew was good. And, um, so long story short, that single family ended up turning into about five or six other ones that I did, I uh, structured very similar.
0: And just real quick on that, for someone that's listening that may be trying to do the same strategy, yeah. what was your your split or partnership set up on these deals, equity-wise or however you did it?
1: Yeah. So like this, I, I it's funny you bring this up. This is what I was talking to your brother about the other day. I mean, there's a million and one ways to, to split this up and whatever, you know, I think some people get caught up on the idea that, oh my gosh, I don't have any money. I can't bring anything to the table. And it's just not true, right? Um, in this particular case, I just did a 50-50 split. And a lot of people would think, oh my gosh, I'm bringing all the money and I'm gonna give you 50%. Well, yeah, because look, if you can kind of sit back and whoever it is that you're quote unquote investing with or partnering up with, you feel like you can trust that person, that's that's huge. And, and so, granted, family, very, very close family friends is a, is a different story, but mm-hmm. I've always been... I guess, in, in the feeling that you have to utilize your resources and, and your network. There's always going to be people out there that are more wealthy than you that have better contacts. And so leverage your network and utilize those people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you got to get out and talk to people. So yeah, in that pretty good case, I was doing 50-50 on those things. And um, then I was just paying paying back, you know, if it was a $28,000 loan, quote unquote, it's like, hey, look, rent comes in, we'll split it 50-50. And uh, at the time it was just a very unsophisticated way of looking at a partnership. And again, it's yeah, look, I think it was like 19 or 20 years old. So as one of those was like, all right, we'll just hold these things forever. Right. It's never gonna, never gonna end. So there's, there's probably better ways to, to look at that as far as a partnership and, and laying out the exit strategies on the front end. Um, as opposed to having to cross that bridge later on, luckily, um, we ended up selling most of those homes and, and did quite well on them. So, you know, that, like I said, that's how we did it, but there's Mm -hmm. a million and one ways to, to try to structure it.
0: Yeah. And these people may not have ever invested in real estate period without you. So like the the challenge that I have with this, because a lot of people hear these episodes and say, how can I partner with you? Or how can I partner with someone in the space bring value? And to your point, there are so many ways you can do it that I think it, Mm -hmm. it kind of cripples people to the idea. Like, there are so many ways to do it. I don't know any of them, but like I could throw something against the wall, but I like yours because it's a very simple framework and structure that anyone can just apply. If they find a deal, bring in a friend, a family member, say, Hey, let's go 50, 50. I'll do all the work. I found the deal. And then you can actually do it. So I guess just thinking about it from that standpoint, do you, do you look back at that strategy as something that would be repeatable for someone today? Someone's listening and they want to get in the game. They have time, they have hustle. Is that a repeatable strategy?
1: Yeah, I I really think it is uh, at least to get started, right? I think uh, the, a little more sophisticated way to approach it would be to lay out, hey, how does that initial investment get paid back? Whether that's through the refi, other through a refinance, um, a sale, however you wanted to structure that. That's how I would tee it up with people. But like I have folks that, that come to me and say, hey, you know, I have seventy five thousand dollars in cash. I have family members willing to help me out, and they never do a deal, right? I mean, at the time, I, like, I'm not kidding you. I think I had like 6,700 or $8,700 in an E-Trade account. And like, I somehow managed to do a deal and people say, Oh, well, you know, you come from a wealthy family. I, I really don't. Right. Um, like mm-hmm. I think my definition of wealthy and other people, like there's people out there that I don't know. I, I just find it very hard to believe that, you know, I, I think that's some of these people can't get over the hump, right. Of, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to have to just figure it out as we go here. And part of it is you don't know what you don't know. So, so I get that. You never want to lose you know, money. It's, it's totally understandable. It's one thing to lose your own money. It's a totally different ball game to lose someone else's. But um, if you're able to start out on something a little bit smaller, um, you know, that's not so much subscribing to the Grant Cardone, you know, theme of, Hey, just go get like a 30 unit apartment complex and just figure it out. Right. Like, I I love it. I do. Um, I think he's got some good stuff, but I think having a little bit of a progression and and understanding um, just some of the simple things to take those and then apply it to bigger and better deals, I don't think it hurts to start small. I really don't.
0: Yeah, totally agree with that. And well, the next question I usually ask is around taking action. Before we get to that, I I, I didn't want to skip this. Just the exit, if you refi or sell. In the strategy you were doing, it yeah. was still fifty-fifty 50-50 split of profits or sale or was it something different?
1: No, so it was it was still like rent money came in 50-50. And then as far as um, like the sale, it was, hey, we're going to do, um, as long as you get your initial investment back. So like that $28,000 home, I think we sold for like 48 in like 10 months or something. It was kind of, it was right before the market really started to heat up. So I bought that one, bought a couple more, I flipped one, and then I put them all in the market at the same time, and it just it worked. But what we did is I returned the initial investment, um, you know, twenty thirty thousand dollars, and then everything over that we ended up splitting fifty fifty. So it worked mm-hmm. out. Um, but keep in mind too, there were still distributions of cash flow, like in the interim, and it wasn't just hey, we're just going to quickly flip this. So um, it, it it worked out. It's you know worked out a little bit better than just having your money sit in the bank or you know playing in the stock market
0: yeah it's almost like you had a a very basic unknowing general partner limited partner setup yeah where yeah basically it was just a little different the distributions was a split and that's just more or less sweat equity and yep. for those that don't know sweat equity it's kind of what it sounds like but you gain okay. equity or cash from the deal by hustling doing the value add part, doing the part that the person maybe behind a desk or that doesn't have time for, it doesn't want to do, won't do. So you can earn equity in the deal by just doing some labor or work or whatever. And then on the back side of it, if it sells or if you refinance it, they recoup their initial investment and then you guys split the, the excess, the, ret- yeah. the extra returns, all that. So, I mean, all around, I, I think something like that is a great way to get one experience for you. For them, they get in the game and they can make money along the way. You can make money along the way. And it sounds like it kind of teed you up to do the next thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it was just one where, look, if you're younger or you don't have a lot of capital at your disposal, you know, go learn from somebody or, or try to just get your nose in there somehow to where you can, you can learn, you can bring, I mean, I think too many people get caught up. Like I have a lot of, of younger guys that will like message me on Instagram, like, Hey, you know, can I come work for you for free? And it's like yeah, like I'd be happy to, but like, I mean, what do you, what do you want to do? Right. Like, how do you want to exchange value here? Like I I'm happy to help teach you all kinds of different things, but you know, so like the sweat equity is huge and mm-hmm. you know, it's not always just going to somebody and saying, Hey, can you mentor me? Right. It's, Hey, um, there's a perfect example. And I'll give him a shout. He, he works on our, our, um, our CRM and this guy is, is insane. Right. And it's, he just does things. I don't even ask him that, he brings value to the table that I'm like, dude, I didn't even know this was possible, right? And so you can go do that for other people, um, whether it's family, if it's friends, it's, it's just, I could go on and on about how you, could, how you get into a deal. So mm-hmm. you could take all the money away, but I think having that, that skill set and that knowledge to, to or even the, I guess the will to want to go and try to figure out how you can get into a deal, it's, it's always going to be there for me.
0: Yeah. Usually we we dig into that a little more at the end, but we're on it now. So I just want to ask, I guess just as far, no, it's great. As far as like someone listening right now that they're, they're maybe ready. They've analyzed a lot of deals. Yep. They're, they're sitting back. Maybe they have that 70,000, whatever you're, you threw out before. Like it's pretty common, especially if someone's a W2 worker, they may be just saving and they, they want to do this. Any advice for them tactically on how they can get started today and get in the game?
1: Well, I mean, you can, you can continue to listen to the podcast can continue to read the books. Um, there's just things in those <laughs> in there that you just, you won't learn. Right. And I've gotten hit on the chin a couple of times. It's like, Oh man, that's probably not great. But you know, I think too many people get in the sense that I, Hey, I'm, I'm going to buy my first 50 unit apartment complex this year. Right. And I find myself kicking myself in the butt because I've passed on some deals that I know have been really good as far as, you know, maybe smaller multis or even a quick single family flip. And part of that I think is because there's a lot of noise um, on some of these podcasts in the books, like, Hey, just go bigger, just go better. And, you know, my advice to somebody is just look, if, if the deal like makes sense, right. And it doesn't necessarily fit your criteria and your dream of, you know, hey, I want to be a, a multifamily owner of a million units, right? I don't know. Don't don't write it off, right? Um, there, was, there was a deal that came up that a property manager um, for one of our apartments brought to us, and it was a single family. And like for the last year and a half, I'm like, apartments, 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 apartments. And there was just something that kind of, I don't know, it was a, kind of a gut feeling. It's like, just, just take it down. You know that there's money to be made there, Right. And so, um, you know, I know this isn't like super clear, but I think keeping an open mind for that investor that's like, hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm waiting on that next, that next apartment deal. Well, hey, go talk to some of your buddies that are maybe doing single family. Go talk to some of your, you know, relatives or whoever that's doing a little bit something different in the real estate space because there are so many ways to make money um, that I think personally deals create deals. So if you're doing a couple single families, you can go do more duplexes or smaller quads and oh hey by the way this this quad broker just brought me a 16 unit and now that you've developed a relationship with him he's got this you know 48 i i don't know that that's how i've kind of accumulated some of the the momentum Mm -hmm. i'm a big proponent of momentum 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 whether that's in your w2 or or like in our our space with the brokerage and, and finding more deals it's like just go do one and and get it get it started
0: Yeah. what I hear, I hate
1: the, I hate the massive action. Like, like, there's a lot of people Hey, just go take action. Well, what, what kind of action, right? Like you're going to go write a purchase agreement on a, you know, three and a half million dollar apartment complex and you've never bought a single family before. Probably not. Right. I mean, it's just the reality of it. So don't be afraid to start small.
0: Right. Yeah. What I'm hearing you say with that is like, you do need to take some action and then even if it's small, it'll lead you to the next thing and it'll lead you to the next person. Like, I look back even myself and I'm sure you do too. Like you had a plan, you had a little bit of a vision and some goals, but like reverse engineering it, it became a lot more clear, but in the moment, it's like just one thing after the next of like, what's the next person, the next deal. And then they start to string together and they they add up to a lot over a period of time that you can just look back on, you know, like it's hard to imagine what, like it's that quote, it's hard to imagine what you can do in a year or, or hard to imagine what you can do in five years. But, whatever it is i'm butchering it no i
1: i'm falling it was funny because like facebook has those like memory things that they like pop up right and i think it was like a memory from however many years ago but pretty much every year i will write down like my goals as cliche as cliche as that sounds right it's one of those where it's like hey put together a list and uh in 2017 it was like buy one rental property and i'm like oh my lord like can you imagine you know looking back three years and, and thinking hey this is what's what you're gonna have going on which you know, like you said, a year is a long time, let alone five, three, five, seven. Um, it's big.
0: Yeah. I got the quote up here. People tend to underestimate what can be done in one year. No, I'm sorry. We're going to have to clean this part up. People, people, people tend to overestimate what can be done in one year and underestimate what can be done in five or 10 years. So it's like that short sighted in one year, I'm going to buy 50 units. When that is a fine goal, like that's, that's all good, but that could be a five-year goal for then this year. You just need to like take smaller steps and buy smaller property to get that.
1: Like I, I got caught up for a long time in the, in the unit count game um, of, Hey, I own X amount of units and that's all good and well. And then I found myself like writing that constantly, like, you know, every morning, right? Your goal is down. And I'm like, man, like a hundred units. That's great. And all it sounds cool. But it's like, shouldn't it just be more focused on, dude, how much money are you making on that, right? How much are you actually realizing as opposed to saying, hey, I got, you know, 3,000 units and, you know, make 800 bucks a month on that?
0: <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've so, talked about that, just like yeah, you know, fee yeah. based indicators or like. And that's okay. Like, hey, that, you know, that's totally, totally fine. Right? It, it is. It's just, like you said,
1: I think, like to new people, I, at least for me, like back to your. Sorry to, to backpedal here. Back to your question about like what, what is some advice you'd give some of these newer folks is like, go get into a room where you just feel like you have no idea what the hell's going on, right? Like I found, my, like as I, as I think back over the last two years, I've found myself in some rooms where I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, these people are doing so much. Like I can't even, I can't even understand how much they, they have going on. And you almost feel like some of them are like larger than life. And then you start to get into things, you're like, oh, okay, like this this makes sense. I understand how they're doing it. And to me, that has almost like lifted me up to want to go and do more. And it's not like you're comparing apples to apples. It's just, hey, you're you're understanding that it's not I guess all that it's hyped up to be. I mean, you can get in and you can do it. Um, it like I said, I don't want to beat like the dead horse there and sound uh, sound cliche, but it is true.
0: So on that note, what are your goals? Now I hear that a lot too. And I've actually done the exact same thing. at The yeah. unit count, you want more units. Okay. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it really should be about, if you have, if it's, if it's based on a financial goal, it should be about the financial right. goal, not yep. the optics of a unit count. So for you right now, what are, what are your goals or what are you, what are you in this for? I mean, specifically,
1: you know, I, I have some of my, like, I have them on my, you know, my screensaver uh, and write them every morning, but the more that I've, I've started to work in in the real estate space, both on the brokerage and, and some of the, you know, building my own portfolio. I have realized that it's, it's allowed me to create a lifestyle that um, and I think you could probably attest to this, that you can just live on your own terms. Right. Um, I know you still have a W2, but you know, with the whole pandemic thing going on, you've been able to do and go places that you probably wouldn't otherwise be able to. Right. And, and, that's part of what I'm, I want to create for myself where I'm in the process of creating is look, if, if you don't want to go somewhere on, on Tuesday morning, you don't have to do it. Right. And I think that you've probably, some of the listeners have probably heard this point. I'm sure you have is like living life on your own terms. And so if that means, Hey, having, you know, 10 properties or a hundred properties, um, I think it, it that the, like I said, the unit count is irrelevant. It's more or less, Hey, how can I get to a, a monthly income, as far as passive income, that I feel like can service my bad debt uh, in life, right? It's hey, you know, you want to go out and and drive a nice car? Or do you want to go out and have money to, to eat out? Of, I don't know, right? That that's up to different people. But for me personally, um, I want to be able to live life on my own terms, live where I want to be, with who I want to be with, right? When and where? So mm-hmm. I know that's pretty vague. I won't get into like the meat and bones as far as like monthly income number and all that. But I, my whole goal is, Hey, build a massive freaking portfolio of real estate, whether it's apartments or doing some single families here, there, self storage, mobile, whatever makes sense. Um, I'm willing to do it. I just, I want to have a well-equipped, you know, kind of tool belt of knowledge to be able to, to continue to build a well-rounded portfolio for myself.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I think that was pretty high level, I guess. No, it's, it makes sense from, from like anyone that's listening, who is just trying to figure out what their number or their goal should be. Like the unit count sounds really nice. And it It is impressive. Like if you can say a high number or some people you talk to, Oh, this guy owns 200 units. He's a young guy, this or that. But like, I mean, this I don't even want to go into this topic because it's just it could lead to a whole thing, but like one, you don't know how much money this person is making from this unit count, and two, you don't even know what percent stake or equity they have in it. I mean, no. a lot of people throw out these audacious numbers and they have a very yeah. tiny piece of it, and there's nothing wrong with that, but then no, there's just different no. buckets of sole owners versus syndicators or uh, joint venture people. like there's all these different strategies. I think it helps when you learn and understand how Definitely. people within each get paid and how they make money. And mm-hmm. for me, that was like a big thing this year. I didn't really understand. Like you'd hear people on bigger pockets. Oh, I have 500 units or I have a thousand units. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, killing you're, like
1: it. you're like, how, and what, like, are you driving a Ferrari to work here? Like what's <laughs> going on? Like you, you must not fly on Delta. Like you got your own. Are you Grant Cardone? Right. Like that's my thought process. I mean, right. so like, but my part of my goals too are, are outside of, of just financial well-being, right? Like, I, I like to exercise. I love to read. Like, I mean, one of like 185 pounds lean. Read 75 books. It's like things outside of just like I have a million units. Like, <laughs> you know, like I like to do other things outside of just real estate. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I think that some people. To me, it's I used to think like I got to get up on stage and and be like this person that. Maybe I'm
0: not. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes total sense. So bring us up to speed on where where the business is today. Yeah. What happened, I guess, between uh, those first couple of deals and now, yeah. and, and where you're at. So uh, after the single
1: families, uh, I got to a point where I'm like, man, if I want to, you know, get the the kind of income as far as off, you know, as far as rent rental income, I'm gonna have to have, you know, I'm gonna have to buy the whole neighborhood. And I knew that that just wasn't going to be possible because you know we all run into a similar problem where we all excuse me we all run out of personal cash and you know so then you're gonna to have to try to find creative ways to get into you know more relationships with investors and how are you doing that and I figured I'm going to be, I'm going to be juggling a lot here as far as you know okay I have five I have 50 different houses and I have 50 different investors I really just didn't want to do that and so I started to read more about multifamily I went to a couple conferences and seminars, if you will. And, you know, you meet some good people there, you, you understand how they're doing things and it it changes your perspective. And so I figured, okay, hey, let's start to take a look at multi. And I, I ended up getting into a little 10 unit. It was pretty cheap, similar kind of family joint venture. And that's what really sparked it for me was, okay, Hey, I can have more, more doors under one roof, if you will. And I can have, um, a camouflage of of vacancy, right? So I could have, you know, a couple of these things vacant, but still be able to service my debt and still be in the black. And so it just made better sense for me. So from there, um, I started looking for more multifamily. I think this was in 2018, 2019. And I realized I'm like, man, there's like, it's getting competitive. And so long story short, I ended up finding um, a mom and pop owner. I'd really done a lot of trial and error as far as how I was generating leads, how I was trying to get in front of sellers. I mean, you see it all the time with like bigger pockets and how people are trying to market the mailers, the cold calls, the, there's just different systems of virtual assistance. And mine was pretty grassroots, um, you know, cold call get in front of the owner. And I ended up finding a couple of different properties that I was like, okay, we're going to move forward on. And that was a little eight unit and a it was a 19 unit, both owned by the same guy. And I'm like, you know what, we're gonna take these things down. I had a, a fair amount of money for what I felt like at the time, saved up. And uh, I didn't know how I was gonna take them back, take them down, but I had underwritten them. I was, I was trying to work on my underwriting skills. So my basic knowledge, if you will, of, okay, here's the income and here's the expenses. Does it make
0: sense, <laughs> right? I
1: mean, at one point or another, whether we want to admit it or not, uh, we were all there as far as like, how do you, how do you make sense of this, right? And, and to dumb it down, it's like, look, If you have more coming in than what's going out, it's probably a good thing. (laughs) It's like you get like some people get really you know caught up in the metrics, like oh the here's the cap rate and the IR and and it's like okay well I guess Um, and so it was very very basic kind of dumbed down version of does it work does it does it cash flow does it make money and both of them did Uh, luckily enough I started. You know, asking around and getting some different deal analyzers and throwing them through there. I'm sure you've you've probably done that. And then you kind of create your own, right? Um, so it worked out. I, I ended up finding um, some traditional bank debt, and then similar to what I did on the single families, I raised um, money from joint venture partners. Um, this time I had gone outside of just family and friends. So I now have a partner in California, who I had worked with in some single family brokerage. So I'd helped him find some homes, and one thing I will say about, this is kind of back to your question on, you know, kind of what, what's happened between then and now is um, I've really stepped up the brokerage operations uh, as far as growing my team out and helping other investors from out of state, bridging the gap, you know, so that they know when they come to Indianapolis, you don't have to buy every $50,000 house you see, right? So helping those people understand what's good and what's, what's not has helped me develop some relationships that those folks that were at one time single family buyers are now partners, right? And it's, I think it's the best of both worlds because you can, you literally get to figure out and, and kind of do, do a couple transactions with some of these folks to where you're not a partner. You're just, you're just a broker acting on behalf of them. And you kind of get to cherry pick the best people. Right. And it's like, Hey, um, how, how respectful uh, were they of your time and things like that? Vice versa in the single family transaction, would it be a good partner potentially later on, later on down the road? So that's how I ended up um, closing both of those multifamily deals were with, with prior clients of mine that have now turned into partners and um, uh, we've had a really good experience with doing that so far. So mm-hmm. that was last time. It seemed, it's very weird. It seems like the last three years I've had this like um, thing where all my cl- like bigger deals that I've done have closed in June. I don't know what it, what it is about it, but like in 2018, it was done about my first multi and then in 2019, uh, literally in the same week, it was the eight unit, the 19 unit. And then I bought a duplex. So I'm like, Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, I thought my, I thought I was going to go bonkers, but, um, that's kind of what's going on now. The brokerage operations are going, we're, we're repositioning some of our apartments and, uh, exploring some other asset classes. But the biggest thing has just been like focusing on the brokerage, um, to where I'm not, the, I'm not the one-stop shop. I have multiple people to where we can service more investors.
0: Mm-hmm. Makes totally Sorry, sense.
1: That was, a, that was a lot. There it was a mouthful.
0: All good, dude. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's it's a good strategy and it's an effective strategy that I've heard before, but it's just it works. You build an engine on the top that can then fund the investing on the bottom. And yep. what you said something I've never heard. Actually, I mm-hmm. thought. I knew what you were going to say when you're saying cherry picking the best. I thought you were saying cherry picking the best deals. I've never heard anyone say cherry picking the best people. It's so interesting because you can then see to your point, who are the people you want to work with? And just for any investors out there listening right now, take note of that. So Zach is, is on the street in Indy. Okay. So he has connections. He has deal flow. He has access to the resources, right? But there are people that he works with from out of state. Do you think he's going to want to work with, or, or like, do you think if an annoying investor is reaching out to you, someone that's, that's bothering you all the time, not being respectful of your time, like right there, guys, for anyone listening or thinking about how can I get into one of these deals or markets brokers in territory or realtors in territory are happy to partner with people that can provide them what they don't have, which in a lot of times, as you said earlier, we all run out of capital, but you have the time, the energy and the resources. So like for people that are out of state, maybe that could be the best way you link up and actually do your first deal by investing and partnering joint venturing with a broker in territory. Like I've, I've never heard anyone say that just makes total sense though.
1: Like I I won't, you know, I know that there's like, I've, I've definitely watched and interacted with some of these people um, that are making just tons and tons of money. Like whether they're wholesalers or flippers and like that, that's just not me right now. Like I'm not going and, and selling, like these big flips to where you know I'm making a two hundred thousand dollar profit on a lot of these things, but I am buying some some very solid buildings that I feel like and assets that over time, like it's gonna it's the long game for me. And if I I'm at, you know I'm 23 years old, if if I can have just massive amounts of equity in these like long term buying holds, I know that over time you know I'm gonna I'm gonna realize the cash flow. It's gonna be an appreciation appreciation play. And we can continue to get great debt. You know, you have you have your tenants pay down your, your mortgage, and it's 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 not a crazy concept. It's not rocket science. And and mm-hmm. so that's been my whole play is okay. Find very, like just great people. I mean, that's how I got connected with you. It was from is from your brother, right? And and I'm I'm somewhat active on bigger pockets, and I get message all the time. Hey, I'd love to be on your list. Hey, send me great deals. <laughs> what? Right? <laughs> and it's it's just. And I had such a different conversation with your brother, and I automatically knew. Boom. And then he put me in touch with, it's just, it's all a network, right? I mean, you guys are from New York, right? I'm how many hundreds of miles away is that from, from Indianapolis, right? And so just people don't understand, I think, how crazy it is that, that one relationship can change your entire trajectory as far as building out your portfolio. And you, it's it may sound harsh as like, hey, I'm cherry picking the best people, but you're exactly right. If you have an investor that's not, you know, respecting your times like hey go drive out to 10 of these properties and take a video for me and It's like dude if I wanted to like to drive around to $30,000 properties all day and take videos and pictures of you for you for you know 800 bucks like look I'll just go hire some kid down the street like, it's just I don't know like I get very worked up about that yeah <laughs> so it's just like I'm trying to help you out like I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna get you into a bad investment as long as you respect my time. And, and so it, it's, it is a two-way street. It's an exchange of value. And it's back to my point earlier. Of, you, know, you get these people come to you and say, hey, I want to work for you for free. I want to learn all the, all the things that you know and all this, knowledge, this wealth of knowledge that you have. And it's like, okay, well, cool. But what, what else do you bring to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah,
0: that's really it, good.
1: It sounds bad. It does. I know I sound probably a little mean, but
0: it's like, uh, it, 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 I, I'll put it this way. You probably didn't always think that way no absolutely not as you as you that's that's what happens like with most people i find like everyone wants to help the most people but it's like in what way can you serve the most people or help the most people with the time that you have and the more that you can help and more that you can make the more people it's like it's a cycle so makes total sense and i didn't always think that way either and i would the same way if i heard someone say this before i had this mindset i'd be like guy's a jerk but it just yeah, your time yeah. is, is becoming more valuable. You have less time. So it's like, how are you going to use it? So well, I
1: think you walk that fine line of like, you don't want to undervalue your time. But I, I know that there's also people that overvalue their time. And it's like, oh, you want to talk to me? Like, you know, like, I mean, come on, dude. I, I get it. But then there's also people. And, and and part of the reason that this sounds horrible, but like bigger pockets is is like a cesspool for picking brains. Right. And it's like, hey, can I pick your brain? And it's like yeah, sure, dude. Like we can hop on a call for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Well, I mean, hell you live in California. I'm in the Midwest. So you're, you know, you're three hours behind me. So you want to call me when you get off of work at seven o'clock? Well, it's 10 o'clock my time. Then you want to talk for two hours. Like, dude, I got to sleep too. Right. And so, you know, I get all these people like, Hey dude, you're young. You're doing this. It's like, can I pick your brain? Yes, we can, we can chat. And then it just gets taken advantage of. And so it's like, Hey, um, I found this deal. Can we go over this? And it's like, there's just not an exchange. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's fine. But like, Hey, 50 bucks for 30 minutes. That sounds horrible. What I've ever thought I'm going to charge someone to talk to me on the phone. Absolutely not. Like that is not, I'm not planning to get rich by talking to people that it's not what I want to do. I mm-hmm. love to do, you know, fantastic deals with great partners. And that to me is where I find, you know, the most enjoyment and doing this stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know. No. Sorry to blabber. on.
0: Here. No, 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 dude. It's, all it's like, it, it, it makes bad.
1: sense. We're well, getting out to the listeners so that they, when they approach a broker, because look, brokers in general—I shouldn't say brokers—realtors in general, like, are, are kind of dumb. Like, I hate to generalize, but when people are like, "Oh, hey, what do you do?" I'm like, oh, "I'm a realtor," and you know, because no, I'm serious because like <laughs> you, you do you do transactions with some of these people, and it's like, man, you guys are boneheads, and 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 not all, but you know, if you see a broker that has never bought a deal or done a deal. Like that should be that. Sh- that should raise some eyebrows because they get the first look at it. Literally everything. And so, if you can have a great relationship, like if I find a good deal and I'm like, dude, I need seventy five grand, I need a hundred grand. Like I'm calling one of my buddies up in California who I know respects my time. I know that they value. They're gonna pick up my call and they're like, dude, let's let's get it done, right? They don't second guess. There's been that establishment of trust and, and you know, just building and, and furthering that relationship months and years and things like that, that can go such a long way, especially when you're remote. If you're in a market, you know, like Miami or Denver or, or some of these areas where it's super, super um, high living expenses and you can find a guy that you're just like, you can trust your life with that's in the Midwest or in one of the, one of your target markets, you, you could become a very wealthy per, very wealthy partners just because th- there's value being brought by each party.
0: and and just just like a couple tactical things on that and then we'll move on but I just I want to say these because I want to make it as actionable for anyone that's listening and hearing this and uh, what I'm hearing is like thinking about it a little mindset shift but even for people that like I'm thinking about when I was just in the same boat like two or three years ago had no relationships in the midwest and I was thinking like how can I do this I want to bring value I want to I want to make it an exchange I don't want to just be the like the information vacuum suck guy, right. like get on a call right. and this. So like right. even little tactical things, like to your point, there were times where I just, I offered people, can I pay you for your time? And no one ever said yes, but the right. gesture, people realized right there, this person respects my time. And then what I would do also with a lot of these, right after the call, I would send the person a $10 Dunkin' Donuts gift card or Starbucks gift card, like nothing, like 10 bucks, like cool. who care? Like, you know, but they right yeah. there, and I'm sure you'll, you'll like agree with this, Yep. see that okay this person they value my time they're actually saying thank you for my time and like they're not just sucking information out of me and never coming back so like i was thinking how can i make this a relationship
1: well so this is i'm glad you brought this up because this is like you know i i connected with your brother on and sorry we're, we're bringing him up i don't I it's all good him, but so um you know we connect on bigger pockets and there's a ton of people that, that reach out on bigger pockets hey your investor broker blah, blah, blah. but the thing that was different about Brad, I mean, it did something similar to what you had done, but you know, he had mentioned, Hey, here's my criteria, which I get all the, Hey, you know, I want to duplex for 60 grand and I wanted to net 1200 bucks a month. And it's like, okay, yeah, dude, me too. But that wasn't what he had done. You know, I, I think I forget how long we were on the phone. It was almost two hours and it, we just had a really good conversation. I could tell that he was genuine and, and was just really interested in learning and, and it wasn't like, Hey, you know, do all this stuff for me. It, I don't know. just like getting off to that right that right start, like the first impressions are everything. And so, I don't know, I, we, we stayed in contact after that. And I'm glad we did, because obviously he introduced the two of us. But it was, it was something that I didn't feel like, okay, hey, I just need to go put this guy on an auto search and just you know bombard him with properties. There was an opportunity that came up um, to do some private lending. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Like this was, we had a great conversation with what he explained to me. Maybe this, this is something that might be of interest to him. And he was one of the first guys that I called. It, it wasn't a lot of money. But it was something that I think, you know, you you start to stand out with brokers or different vendors in an area just by you know valuing a relationship. Um, I, I don't know, you you hit the nail on the head there. So I, I I would second what you have to say there.
0: It's just a mindset thing, and and this is for people like and Indy is a hot spot for coastal investors, yep. but a lot of the the places in the Midwest are. But I just want to make this more actionable for people that are that are considering that and it seems like a daunting task and they don't feel like there's ways to do it but there are ways to do it it's just being a little bit more empathetic so uh, we 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 might need to do a part two on this dude just for the the out-of-state investor conversation because there's a lot here it could probably be very valuable
1: because you know um, I deal with it all day I'm constantly bringing on new agents who are I mean these guys are young and these I mean I got that guys on my team that are you know, 20 years old, 21 years old that they're hustlers and they'll go out and they'll work for you and they can find you some great deals. Right. But it's, again, it's valuing that relationship because the reality of it is you, you you're, your broker. It's not, especially in the Midwest, it's not like you're getting rich off a 30, 40, $50,000 deal, but it's like, if you, if you're in the business of buying some of these single families and you want that kind of stuff, we'll go find somebody and treat them really well so that, Hey, boom, when they find something, you're, you're the first one that they call, right. Or if it's multifamily or whatever the asset class it is, relationships, relationships, relationships.
0: Yep. Okay. Just for the sake of time, man, you cool. If we go to the show, wind down some rapid fire. Let's let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right, man. Uh, We covered the first one about relationships, so we can just move on straight to number two. Uh, How do you, how do you think about managing your time or planning your time? Anything or system you use for a week planner or a day planner to make sure you're doing important stuff?
1: Um, I, I live and die by the Google calendar. I really do. Um, if, if that's, Hey, you know, calls all day, just, it helps me out. Um, I mean, even with this podcast, like it just gives you, it gives you a peace of mind to like, all right, sit down, make sure you have your stuff together. Um, this is very like old school, but I love the like month calendar, like the, your desk calendar that you can just kind of have. Um, for me, I just, I set at, like a couple different things throughout the day that I- I need to do and it's it's usually read write and work out and and I feel like if I can kind of accomplish those things I'm not the kind of guy that's like you need to have like 15 minutes for forever that, that's not how I am um I feel like I I just that overwhelms me so I don't do that but yeah Google Calendar and just I'm a little old school when it comes to that um but yeah so, I like it
0: read write and work out that's simple enough anyone can do that uh any you say Google Calendar but are there any tools or apps you have on your phone or your computer all the time that help your business? Um,
1: the CRM that we're using right now called Zoho is, is incredibly powerful and we are just like, just getting started with it. I actually, uh, it was recommended to me by, um, you may know Antoine Martel. He's a yeah. Yeah, turnkey guy and does some multifamily. We, we, he, we've really connected well. And, um, just another cool guy. I don't know if he's been on the podcast or not, but just he like, works. oh really? Yeah. Yeah. He's just a, he's a really cool dude. And, uh, I don't know, we just kind of get along. And so he's the one that recommended it to me. Because um, you know, we have just kind of been old school with how we were tracking tracking leads and just you know automated workflows and things like that. So check Zoho out, um, and I think there's a couple there's like a couple additions to Zoho that you can you know like automate with your schedule and things like that. So we haven't even dug all the way into it, but I'm really excited for um, for that thing.
0: So, That's cool. Yeah, and Antoine's yeah. awesome. He's uh, another young guy. He's I think yeah. 24, doing some yeah, really cool deals. Yeah. yeah cool. So um, good to be around those people. Uh yep. any any specific ways you like to stay educated or any specific people on those platforms you recommend yeah. or like specifically?
1: Um I, I like to read books like outside of the real estate space. Um just to give me a different perspective, honestly. Uh I think I've read a lot of the real estate books, but um, you know, I think there's some different people out there as far as mindset, which which are kind of good to listen to. I think, you know, you get to a point where you kind of get overloaded with some of the real estate podcast, um, and and like book stuff. So just having like a different perspective on things, I think can help change your business a little bit. Um, there's nobody really in particular that I would say, Hey, like, like there's a book right now, um, that I'm reading called like the power of now, It's just like a short one, but it it really talks about, uh, some different things that I think you can help apply to your relationships, you know, and talking about ego and, and things like that. So I don't know. Sorry, that's not a great answer to that question, but
0: good.
1: I, keep good. It, I I kind of keep it easy going.
0: Power now. Eckert Tolly. all yep. good. Uh, we talked a little before we jumped on about VAs, but uh, any, any current use of either virtual assistants or leverage or how any people help you in your business?
1: Um, I have a lot of like, I mean, I have a lot of younger, younger folks that, that work for us right now. Um, once we get our uh, CRM a little more acclimated with, with how we're doing things, we'll probably look to do virtual assistants kind of like what you're doing. I used a virtual assistant uh, in college to do a lot of my homework, but uh, no, I I haven't, I haven't used him since. Um, That was back when like, I was just the main guy. selling real estate and I just, I didn't have time to do it. So they kind of came to an end. I, I, I guess, First, I guess you could say I was the one who got caught for plagiarism, even though it wasn't me who did it. So, uh, you know, you could take that for what it's worth. But I had to have a, a little bit of a a training session on how to how to not how to not plagiarize. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: it technically wasn't you.
1: It technically wasn't, but I mean, like, it's not like I can go to school and say, "Oh, hey, sorry." Like, you know, it was my virtual assistant that that plagiarized. So. Yep um but yeah i think they're a great they're a great tool it's just a matter of like making the commitment you know oh well it's only three or four bucks an hour but you know what am i gonna have them do like just get one and and it does change your life it's kind of weird because when you're sleeping someone's doing tasks for you like that's a pretty cool concept yeah that
0: sounds yeah it is i have a feeling you guys are gonna be doing a lot more with that in the next year so that's cool um what's next for you 2020 and after still a young guy doing a lot of cool um, stuff
1: so I am really looking to, like I said, continue to, to grow the brokerage operations. And, um, like I said earlier, like I have, I have goals like outside of just real estate stuff. So, uh, my intention come October 31, November one is to start spending more time uh, in a warmer part of the country for the winter. Uh, I just, I don't do well in the cold. So I, my plan is to, uh, move back down to Florida here in October and, um, continue the brokerage operations in Indianapolis and um, continue to look for more assets to buy, but I'll probably be doing some more business in Florida, maybe a couple flips or something like that. So um, again, for me, it's, it's all a quality of life. If you're going to kind of live life on your own terms and life by design, if you will um, you know, I, I want to be able to go spend time in warmer weather when it's freaking cold in the Midwest. So that is
0: awesome, dude. I didn't know you even had that teed up. That's really cool. Yeah, I want to talk yeah, more with yeah. you about that. Yeah. Um, cool. Any, any hobbies or random interests stuff other than real estate?
1: Um, like I say, I like to exercise and I'm, I'm a pretty big reader. I love to be on the water. Like I love to jet ski. Um, so that's kind of part of my reason is I want to get down to Florida. Like my dream, my ideal situation is if I can find a like distressed house or distressed owner, that's on like a canal or a waterway and I can get two jet skis there and start to like renovate the house and kind of have like a nice little bachelor pad there. That would be my ideal situation so I can be on the water and you know, things mm-hmm. like that. So that's
0: awesome. That's that's I'm awesome. Love love that. love that. <clears throat> Where can people learn more about you? Follow your journey. Working um on- so I'm pretty active on
1: on Instagram at Zach dot Um I have a website as cheesy as that sounds, you know, for some of the stuff as far as what we're doing on the brokerage operation, just ways to get in contact with me. I'm um, also on LinkedIn and um, you know, feel free to shoot me a message. I'm, I'm always happy to, uh, to connect. And then you know, Zach at Zach is my email. So pretty straightforward. I don't think there's any other Zach Harris out there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed talking today with you. It, it's always fun catching up with you or your brother. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'm hoping that one of these days we can, we can put a, put a deal together.
0: Uh, I see it in the near future. I think that's I, something we'll have to I tie like, off on.
1: I like where your head's at. I like um,
0: where your head's at. Last two questions here. Um, what advice would you give your younger self or yourself starting out when you were, let's say, I don't know, 18 when you did that first yeah. deal?
1: Um, I, I would probably say don't be afraid to go against the grain. Um, you know, like moving – or I guess growing up um, and, and entering into college – I kind of followed like oh hey you know I went to the, the school that a lot of the other folks from my high school had wanted to go to and you know kind of looked at as the more like prestigious private school and you know I wanted to go be a doctor and specifically a, a plastic surgeon and all that and, and go the med school route and um, and I got there and I just I wasn't happy I didn't feel like it was for me and and I started, I, I transferred once everybody's like, Oh, you shouldn't transfer. You know, you're gonna have to stay in school longer and you don't know anybody down there. And what are you going to do? And you know, you're like all these, like what ifs and the same thing, you know, with real estate, it's like, well, well, you know, what if, what if this happens? And you know, like real estate agents don't make any money, you know, real estate investors all got, you know, hosed in 08 and all this. And um, I don't know, it's, it's worked out for me pretty well so far. And I, I genuinely enjoy what I do. And so, like I said, I mean, I, I have, like younger cousins and thing and things like that and, and even people who will approach me and say, Hey, like, you know, what do you think I should major in, in, in college or what you know, should I go to college? And it's like, look, you gotta do what makes you happy at the end of the day. And um, you know, if that means that maybe sometimes going against what your family wants you to do, at the end of the day, I think a lot of a lot of people want what's best for you, but you're the only one who really knows what that is and, and how it's gonna make you feel. So if that means that you're not going with with the crowd, don't go with the crowd.
0: One hundred percent. That's I really
1: of, good. I, that's kind of how I felt like, with oh, you know, why are you going to go do this? And just a lot of questions um, as far as like the decision that decisions that were
0: made. So I yeah, do it every, everyone's situation is different, but no one really knows what your goals or your wants are. It's just a lot of common advice. Last question of the show. Right. We we talk about it a lot. You right. you get hit with it a lot. People yep. reaching out. What is a way that someone, if they were trying to reach out, and start the relationship the right way that they could actually try to offer you some value right now or bring you some value to make the relationship a little more fruitful from the start.
1: Um, you know, I think that like, I, I guess I'll give you like how I'm typically approached and how if I was maybe in someone else's shoes, how I would probably approach them is, um, you know, like you, you obviously understand, Hey, he's a broker. He has, has some deal flow. Um, instead of just saying, Hey, like, can you send me your good deals? You know, maybe bring me an opportunity and say, Hey, like, what do you, you know, this is in my market. Right. And here's what I'm looking at. Um, what do you think of this? Does it make sense? Like, would this, would this be something you want to partner on as opposed to saying, Hey, like just send me all your good deals. Just send me. Right. And you know, it may be Hey, yeah. But you know, and that, that's a single family, a quick flip. If it's a multi-family, if it's self storage, like I said, there's a couple different asset classes. I'm always open to looking at it. Um, and I think having that, that open mind of partnering, I think is, is big because um, you shouldn't, you should write off your partners at some point in time. Like I said, you, you run out of personal capital, but if you can come at it at a different approach, I don't know, I, I really like that. I like people who are witty. I like people who kind of think on their feet and you can almost automatically tell that, you know, from, from the first couple of conversations that you have with somebody. So yeah, that's what I would say is, you know, Hey, if you, if you want to get in touch, I'm always happy to talk to people, um, but let's, let's look at how we can do things different, a little bit more creative than, than the rest of the folks.
0: All right, so. Zach, that was awesome. Seriously, really, cool. really good stuff, man. Um, cool. thank you for coming on. Sure, thanks, I man. was jotting down notes the whole time. I know you got a, a storage Dude. deal you're going to look at today in, uh, in Dayton, Ohio. So you're on the road. If people can't see the video, you've been a champ and knocking yeah, I, this thing out in your car. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm in the car. It's not, uh, not the most ideal situation, <laughs> but. You know, I guess this is the biggest deal I've ever done or am, am working on. So, I guess it's like, hey, before you go spend almost $2 million, maybe you want to look at it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just maybe. Just maybe. You know, so, but, the home yeah, office man, I, is the car. It's I, all good.
1: I can't thank you enough for having me on. And I sincerely mean that. I'd be really happy to do a deal with, with yourself, your brother. Hell, we can, we can all do it. So, I think you guys are mm-hmm. great guys. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, you know, our, our relationship grow and, um, you know, see how we can – how we can take over,
0: one hundred percent, man. And and it's cool to hear. Like that's the the whole moral of this podcast: young people connecting that are trying to do this stuff. Me being twenty six, I think even like someone like Antoine, like he's twenty four. You said yeah. I, I thought I thought you were twenty four. You're twenty three. Yep. So yep. like even even just like for any any you don't have to be a millennial listening to this right now but like if you are and you like have that that mindset like it's just great to align yourself with these types of people and just start getting more in this mindset and attitude And it's yeah. just it's just general networking
1: it's so cool to just like to connect with some of these people that are genuinely just like you know kind of nice people that want to see each other grow right like i think that there's a lot of sharks out there but you know at the end of the day it, i think it's a little more uh easier to relate to somebody who's you know five ten years older than you as opposed to like okay this guy's 50 years older than me and like he's been doing it since you know the stone ages and he's got all this (laughs) rental property he's got all this money it's like dude okay i get it but how did you get there (laughs) so
0: So true man yeah that's so true so we could all rise up together but uh zach seriously man thanks all the best and uh we'll we'll definitely be talking more soon
1: all right well i appreciate it
0: all right buddy thank you Hey, you millennial millionaire, do you want more? Then head to the Millennial Millionaires Through Real Estate Facebook group, where there are tons of step-by-step walkthroughs, tools, templates, and free networking to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. And if you want Jonathan to help you personally reach your goals, then feel free to set up a one-on-one call in the link below or message him on any social media platform and apply to, well, work with Jonathan.